This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agopymatch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I have combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, each week I bring a guest on to talk about dating and relationships while answering your questions. You can ask a question by visiting askamatchmaker.com. This week's guest is my friend, Katie Morse, and she's here to help me read some of your closure and rant letters. So if you're listening to this and you think to yourself, oh, I really want to send a rant that I'd love to send to an ex, or man, I really need closure, or you really grind my gears, but I'm not going to send the text, send it to me. Go to askamatrigger.com. You could send your closure and your rant there. And you know, in a few weeks, I'll invite another friend to help me read these letters for a future episode. Katie, welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. Thank you for having me, Maria. It's so good to chat on your podcast because I know usually it's FaceTime and text and TikTok and all the other ways people can communicate. I know. I feel like all day I'm just sending you TikTok memes. I mean, I love them. I usually respond right away. I think I've mentioned you a few times on this podcast. Uh, I think so. Actually, you and Charlotte were both very kind to me. I was like blushing listening to the podcast. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Maybe... Maybe it wasn't a podcast, so I talk about you a lot. And usually it's probably in group coaching intensive um, where I might talk to women about you because sometimes I'll even say like, so I think that you don't realize like a man's intellectual compatibility as a woman until like the second date, because a lot of men, not all men, but a lot of men have perfected the first date. Like they know what to ask and do to get to the second date, to get you swooning. Uh And I always think about how like you and I met. Oh, which is a very fun story, the start of our friendship, um, because there was a guy involved. And so for for the background, I'll kind of let you tell the story. But the no, no, you tell the story. Well, the background of how I ended up getting involved with this guy is I had moved to New York City about, Taylor moved in the spring and I met this guy in the fall. And I actually had pretty high hopes for what could become like, he followed through. I mean, it's like, it's all basic stuff, but stuff people don't do. Yeah. I wish people could see my eyebrows because like, they rose like straight to the ceiling. They're all, they're on my hairline right now. Yeah. And I felt the same way. Person, Yes. But so go I ahead. Keep no, going. Keep going. I had no background. I had no context. So I was meeting a bunch of people and back then in New York, like we all kind of knew each other from Twitter. There was, it was like prime, like startup happy hours. There was like different places to go every night and you'd run into the same people. And with what I do, I work in marketing. You know, he was one of those people that I knew over Twitter and we met and had a great conversation, but I didn't really think anything of it. And then I think he ended up offering because he lives in, lived in Brooklyn. I lived in Brooklyn. He was like, oh, do you want to ride home? I've got my motorcycle. Well, I grew up with like riding on motorcycles. So I was like, sure, better than taking the subway. Draw me off at my place and oh, maybe I'll see you again sometime. And I think we'd exchanged maybe he DM'd me to get my number or something like that. But we ended up going out a few times. And aside from like one thing that twinged in my head was we had a date planned and then it rained and he was like, oh, well, I can't go out. It's raining. 
And I was like, are people really that lame? Whatever. Uh, But he kind of kept it pretty consistent. And I was like, this guy follows through. He seems to be a good communicator. He seems to know what he wants. Like, you know, I could see this turning into something. And then I found out everything else. And needless to say, it did not. What was everything else, Katie? Oh, uh, the fact that I knew more people that he had slept with than people he had not slept with. And I ended up feeling really duped. Like I felt like I felt like I should have like done my homework a little bit better. How would you have known? Okay. So that's your end of the story. And this is where you and I meet. So like you and I meet at one of these events. Now this is like circa 2010 when like startup world had really kicked off in New York in terms of like meeting strangers that weren't really strangers. There were like these online personas that you were friends with for like 18 months And I think it's because of the invention and launch of Foursquare that made that happen. Oh, yeah. You know, Naveen and Dens really, yeah. People there because you knew they were there because they were checking in on Foursquare. Right. And I, and yeah, so that was just incredible. Um, I always like to cite Foursquare as one of the reasons why I ended up becoming a matchmaker. I was hosting these. Uh, yeah, I was, you know, so at, I used to host these. So at the time I was going to grad school thinking, oh, I'll get my master's in global affairs and become a foreign service agent or, you know, work in the foreign service or work at the UN, like all of my former classmates. And I created this hashtag NYCIR and which was New York City National Relations. And I would use Foursquare to host events that I knew people from the consulate would come to or people from the UN would come to. And they were like, Within a month, I was hosting like three events a month and people would show up at the Roger Smith Hotel. That was like yep. the go-to place for people in social media. And it was great. I would meet all these people. Like some of my classmates would show up, but like all these other people from consoles, like a lot of really great networking. And then eventually people were like, well, why don't you just set, can you set me up with people? And that's how it all kind of kicked off. Anyway, so at one of these events, I think at the Roger Smith, you and I met, I think I met you at the same time I met Anna. Ah, yeah. And it definitely, I mean, the Roger Smith, like, Maria's not even joking. If I didn't have any place to go after work, but I was like, oh, kind of feel like a drink meeting up with people, just being social, like blowing some steam off before I go home and relax. I could literally seven days a week, just go to the Roger Smith hotel. And I would know someone there because it was such like a meeting point, kind of like a nexus for that social group in New York. But yeah, we definitely, I mean, I, I definitely know I met you there, but that was not the only time. No, because so that's the thing. Like, it wasn't just that we were like a bunch of losers who didn't want to go home and just keep going to the Roger Smith hotel. It's that the people that were at the Roger Smith hotel were also responsible for a lot of the events happening across Manhattan. So I remember, um, your, your former roommate, Patrice, who I also met there, man, a lot of my friends start from there, right? I met her there too. Oh, really? So uh-huh. she, um, she knew this other person that I think she met through there who was hosting this event for Apple. And she was, she's like, Hey, they invited me to this thing. Do you want to come? And I'm like, sure. We went, we, it was in Nolita. We head over there and they give us two iPhones. Like that was the grab. That was the free gift upon entrance was like, here's the iPhone because they were, they were launching this app, not the Apple store, but this person that was hosting the party was launching an Apple store. And they realized back in 2009, 2010, not everyone has an Apple device. And in fact, I had a Blackberry and I was like, oh, thank you for my free iPhone. You know, like, not a bad. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like 10 people. It was like 200 people were there and oh, yeah. maybe like a porn star. It was like really interesting. Anyway, so, um, so I meet you at this event and, you know, we went for drinks somewhere else. I don't know why we left the Roger Smith 
but we went somewhere else in England to eat at like brother Jimmy's back when it was, that was cool. Oh, that probably and, been my idea. I love North Carolina, Eastern style, North Carolina barbecue. Cause that is what I grew up with. So that was probably me. I'll own that one. Yeah. It was also because I think at the time I lived in the Upper East Side and it's like, oh, you know, where can we eat in the Upper East Side, like, and not have to, you know, deck out anyway. And, um, we go there and you're like, I have a, have a relationship problem. Can I tell you about it? I'm like, yeah. And you're like, and this is, you know, now I'm like a full on matchmaker. Right. So you start telling me your problem. And I didn't, I didn't realize it was this guy at the time. Um, let's call, let's call him Dave. Right. Well, no, no, I didn't meet him yet. I didn't know him yet. I did not know Dave yet. So you started telling me about like how the first date went and how you felt and then how this went and then this went and you were like, I don't know what to do. I, and I was like, I don't, I don't, I feel like I said, I don't think you should talk to this person anymore. Something like that. And then again, like, I think like, no, so this was back in, it was like August, September. Like I remember that, but you said this whole story to me and then the next day I have a date with a guy that I met at a party the day before, like literally an hour before I met you for dinner. Um, and it was the same, it was Dave. Mm-hmm. And it, again, for me, it didn't click. I didn't, you know, it wasn't, I didn't know that this person was going to be a complete shit show at later on. He didn't treat, I don't know if he treated me badly. Um, he was actually a really nice guy. Um, and he's very charismatic and that charisma, you get drunk off of it. When you first meet him, you're like in awe. For sure, for right. Sure. And I don't think I've ever met a person as charismatic as this person. I thought it was going to turn into something like it wasn't, like that's kind of when we met is when I was like, well, well, maybe, maybe not. Like, maybe I need to think about this differently. Cause like dating in North Carolina, dating in England, like I was with someone when I was there, but like seeing mm-hmm. how people date in different places. Like New York is unlike any place I've ever even heard of before. So I didn't, I didn't have the tools to navigate it. Like I was right. still like so new that I was I new too. I was only in the people. city for like two years and I, I felt very new too. And I remember meeting him and thinking like, wow, like this guy, like he's, he's really driven. He's really charismatic. And the reality is that he has this really severe ADHD, <laughs> but, um, anyway, so beneficial professionally, but yeah. And I remember, you know what else I remember? I don't know if you did this, but I remember when I had just started dating him, I would go on YouTube and Google, like look up his name really? and find, and find any videos he was in to like, watch him be that charismatic person. Cause it was really hot. It was really sexy. Yeah. To like watch him in action. I think you and I very much differ. I mean, like pre you being married, I never really Google people, especially not before a first date, because mostly I don't, I don't assume that people Google me, but I kind of don't want them to. Like I'm easy to find on Google. Like if you know my last name, you can find me everywhere Um, or even my last name nickname, but I just, I don't Google people really. It's not been a habit of mine. I was Googling them after we had sex. <laughs> like uh, you wanted more, you wanted more of that feeling that he gave. I you. wanted you more. Like it felt like you were in a universe with them. Right. And then he has, he used to host parties and like we, I, we, I yeah. go to this party and you're there and there's a few other women there. And I remember he was there and I remember he was not, he wasn't ignoring me, but he was said, because he was the host. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take your time. Like, you know, I'm here. Like, no worries. And like, I knew I was going home with him that night. Like I was, I guess like the flavor of the week. So that was fine. So I'm talking to one of his friends 
I'm not going to say his name, but you know who. Oh yeah. And he was just talking to me and he was like, there was a woman talking to Dave, not you, this other woman. And he's like, oh God, you know, she's so digmatized. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you know, he looks around the room and he goes, well, she's dating him. She's dating him. Then he points at you. She's dating him. She's dating. I don't know if they're dating right now, but he's definitely dated all these women. They're all looking at him. Look, look, look. And I'm like, I'm not saying anything. I'm not pulling out my cards here yet. Right. I'm looking around the room and sure enough, like there's like probably like 150 people there and the ratios are split in the middle, 50, 50. Yeah. But at least half of these women are staring at Dave and kind of staring him at like, by the way, he's not the best looking person of the bunch, but they're all staring at him like, okay, are we going home tonight? Like what's going on? Right. Because it was maybe, maybe we are, maybe we aren't with most of the people there. And that was around the time that I had figured out that if I'm in a room with, on average at that time, if I'm in a room with 20 people, 10 of which are women, more than five have been right. before. Right. I just assume any room I walk into now, like I was at my OBGYN's office in New Jersey, and I just assumed half the women here have been with Dave. Because that has always been my experience. Like this person oh, yeah. is community dick. Yeah. And uh, I say that in like the, the best way possible, <laughs> but also like, you know, anyway, so I didn't say anything to his friend who I really like this, this friend a lot. He's a good, he's a great guy, but I didn't say anything to him at that moment. I just looked at you because I really like you. I knew like we had hit it off as friends and I, I remember going up to him being like, no, I'm saying Dave, but his name is actually really common. Yeah, which this is why we're using a pseudonym because right. and people who know both of us, this could be any number of people, but right. we don't want to out the person on air. Right. right. But if you were in Manhattan between the years of 2010 and 2014 or 2009 to 2014, chances are you've had sex with him. So it doesn't matter. So anyway, um, a lot of averages, a lot of averages here, especially if you're from Brooklyn or Manhattan, like forget it. Like, yeah, are you work in tech. Did you, did you, did you get on a motorcycle between the years, 2010, 2014? You have had sex with this person. I'm almost certain of it. Okay. Or they've tried to have sex with you. Or they've tried to have sex with you. Anyway. So I remember going up to you and I was like, oh my God, is, is, is Dave this Dave? And she, you go, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. And she goes, and then you go, is your Dave this Dave? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, and I think this was in front of Patrice and Patrice was like, oh my God. Like what is happening and then we kind of look around the room and then I think like some more women are starting to like kind of get it it's like starting to click yeah yeah and that was like I think the like I don't yeah I thought that was just really funny and then um I happened to be going to I had we had we had planned to go to South by Southwest together like we had a hotel room together and I was like oh god I need to like turn this into like a fuck buddy situation only like what am I doing yeah like this is not good and I remember like consciously detaching myself off this person and you know telling him like I can't you know I never told him that I knew oh really I thought based on how you communicated with me after because keep in mind like we had just met we were developing a friendship you and I would run into each other at more events. We would kind of talk outside of events, but I remember asking you like, Oh, are you still with this person? And every single time you would be like, yeah, but it's not exclusive. It's not serious. It's not going to turn into anything. Like you were very clear, but I had assumed 
that you had been as upfront with me as you, or as upfront with this person as you were with me about it. I didn't know, you know that you just kind of said, this is what's going to happen and left it at that. You know, anytime I tried to bring it up, like I remember, I remember trying to bring it up like, Hey, you, I remember saying that when I told him to go get an STD check, I was like, you need to get checked because yeah. I don't feel comfortable or whatever. And he did. I don't remember like talking to him specifically. I was just like, okay, I know. And then I only saw him only at South by Southwest after that. Like we had a hotel room together. I made him get an SCD check before we went. So that's, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to have fun. And I did. And then I never saw him one-on-one again after that, because I was just like, okay, you are released into the wild again, sir. And then Mm -hmm. I saw him again. I remember you and I and Patrice, we went to some Christmas party and he was there And that's what I bought. We noticed that all of the women in the room at some point have had sex with him, like at least 15 women. Oh yeah. And he was there. And that's, I think why some of we were there for different reasons. I was there to see you and Patrice and a few other people. Mm -hmm. I think Anna was there too. Yes, she was. I remember seeing her, but there were other people there that I was like, oh no, these people are all here. Like there's new women that were there to see Dave. And that's when I bought, um, I fuck Dave.com. Do you remember this? Yes. It was a tumbler. That was like the precipitating event. Yeah, that was it. It was at the Christmas event. And like Patrice was like next to me. She's like, you guys need to make a tumbler. And that's what I did. I was like, okay, I That's not the domain. It's a, it's a different name. And since then I've gotten rid of that domain because I'm not going to pay for this shit $12.99 a month, a year. Um, and I had, you know, we all had our own little story of like, here's what he did to get me into bed. And, you know, it was crazy that every single first date story was the exact same. Like he knows exactly what to say to make you feel good. He does not try to sleep with you on the first date. No, not he at all. Wait. And until, like, you think he doesn't me, like, until you think there's something that's maybe going to happen. And then the worst part about all of this is that he doesn't even ghost. He could keep a relationship. Like remember with, you know, who he kept a relationship with her for like four years. Yeah. Well, Let's not call it a relationship. Let's call it a situationship, yeah. right. which is you know, one of your favorite terms. I never needed a closure with him. I was, I was like, okay, like anytime I see a photo of him online now, I always think to myself like, oh, who's this new girl now? Mm-hmm. Not that I look him up. I just see him on my Facebook feed sometimes. You know, I honestly, so I don't know if you've ever listened to the Dan Savage love cast. It's a very... Yeah long running podcast. About I love it. It's a great podcast. It's one of my favorites. I was actually listening to it before jumping on this one. And I think the one thing that's consistently missing with this person's approach to dating people, getting in bed with them, like whatever they want out of a relationship is like letting the other person know what they want, because I had a very different perspective on what was happening or what could happen based on their actions. And again, part of that was I was new to New York. Part of that was I wasn't asking a lot of questions because I just was like, well, things will figure themselves out over time. I never felt like they were clear with any of the people that they were with what they actually wanted. I And to me, that's, that's not really being a good person to date. And I don't know how many people brought it up or how many people explicitly asked. But for me, I also, much like you, I don't feel the need to have any closure because as soon as I had figured out that I was one of literally more people than I could count usually in a room on two hands, that was it for me. I didn't, right. I didn't want that. 
I didn't want something that was casual or non-exclusive. So that was, I had made the decision then that I was done. And then coincidentally enough, they just moved on to the next hot thing. So it was kind of tied up with a nice pretty bow. Right. But having someone, especially if you don't want something monogamous, especially if you don't want something serious, like say that, because I feel like lack of communication in so many ways is why people end up getting hurt. And right. If anything, like me and you meeting really helped solidify the fact that I didn't want that, which is why I wasn't hurt in the end by it. I mean, the fact that his friend, his best friend was there that day to like casually say what he said. I was like, wait a second. Like, I feel like he saved me from a world of hurt. And it's right. You're right. He did not. He does not disclose that he's I think he just assumes because he's never been reprimanded by women. I think he just assumes that women will know, oh yeah, I'm clearly not looking for something serious, but I'm going to treat you really special. We don't know. Yeah. Like he'll, he'll get you a gift and he'll be like, you know, and I'm like, wait, hold on. Like what's, and the thing is like, he's not, I don't think he's a sociopath. I don't think he's a psychopath. I don't even think he's a narcissist. I think he just has really severe ADHD and that is just what he does as a person. But I don't know. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. You know, he's been nothing but nice to me in most contexts. It was just the execution of like, oh, hey, can you let me know that we're not dating or that you're dating other people? Like, that would be great. Right. And I've run into people like after both you and I had stopped seeing this guy, I've mm. run into people that they would like mention something to me and kind of like point them out and do the hey, hey. And I would just straight up tell them like, I went there right after I moved to the city. And if you want something that's exclusive, if you want something that's going to turn into something, this is not your person. If you want a good time, have fun. Like, have and fun. that's what I would say to people. Cause that's, yeah. it was fun and it was positive. Like, like you said, it's not like they were mean. It's just, they're and he's so body positive too. Like it's really confusing. He makes you feel so sexy. Yeah. And you're just like, and then when you end it, he's like, he goes, I wish you well. And I'm like, what? Like, you know, it's just kind of, it's just weird. Like, it's not weird. It's great. But it's like, I think he's the positive fuckboy experience. I, I say this in like, yeah. I say, I, I want to, I'm trying to be nice because it's been 11 years since then. But like, I, you know, I, I laugh. I laugh that I'm Bajingo sisters with so many of my girlfriends. <laughs> I know it, and it really like, I don't feel bad disclosing very publicly that like, we all knew it was not a secret. Like they weren't, I don't know if they were trying to be stealth or sleuth. I don't think they were, but it was a common thing for a number of years that women who they knew talked about with each other. It was, which is why so many people would be like, oh yeah, this guy. And I'm like, I mean, fun time. Sure. Anything else? Not so much. And just be safe because I can point, I, remember, I, can, I can point out other people, but I've been at a wedding and his best friend, I mean, no, not him. Someone else said, well, who hasn't fucked Dave? And even the bride didn't put her hand up. Like I was like, <laughs> awkward or not. Cause I don't know that many people who were upset with this person or felt hurt or would like feel the need to write a closure letter to your right. Point. It's not like it's not like they, it was a negative experience. It just. And I love that. That's the story of our friendship. Like whenever someone asks, how did you meet? Like when my husband, like, I, I don't think people realize like what Katie means to me. So like, even at my own wedding, when George and I were going back to our hotel, Katie was in our, in our cab with us in the front seat with in the passenger side. Oh yeah. I was like, 
like we were wet because we jumped in the water and I'm holding my dress in one hand and a bikini at six in the morning in oh, Athens. Yeah. That was, such and a that's why I tell people like, Oh, Katie was in the cab on our way home. Like, I don't understand if you know, and then my husband knows that you and I are bitch and go sisters. And he's just like, you guys are weird. Like, and now that I'm thinking about it, actually, I did not meet him. I, I met him in January of 2010, I think. And then I stopped seeing him in March, like the end after South by Southwest, so like mid-March. Yeah. So and, it was like, um, I was first and then I met you right at the tail end of it. And then. Yeah. And it, I just remember, like, I just remember so much of that was just like funny to me, like after the fact, like, wow, like we can joke about it. And I feel like the only reason I could joke about it was actually because of our, because of your old roommate, Patrice, because Patrice made it like a joke. Yeah. And she I mean, is the only person I know in that group that has not had sex with him. <laughs> Wait, has she? No, no. I love that you're looking and thinking. I don't, now. I don't think so. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that I can like name off the top of my head that hasn't. The fact that I have to think about it, I'll need to come back with you, but that's not a great sign that I might yeah. come up with a name. Anyway, well, good for Dave for being a, for being a community, <laughs> community dick. Right. Uh, and good for, uh, you know, I would say good for them for helping us. The, the Manhattan kind of Welcome Committee. something to bond over in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Manhattan Welcome Dick of 2009 to 2014. I mean, there are going to be women listening to this episode right now thinking, have I had sex with Dave? And David's not even, is Dave Dave's not even really? his real name. Who is Dave really? Man. Anyway, so we got a lot of closure letters. You are going to read a few and I'm going to read a few. Oh. I will. Um, I will say like one that you sent me, the first one, I uh don't so much feel is a closure letter, but I have, I have thoughts. Just a really quick stat. So Katie, you are in your mid thirties. I am. I'm 36. I feel like officially on the older side of my thirties. And you are currently single. I am currently single. So you get to see this from the single perspective, which I absolutely love. I'm co- totally obsessed with this right now, this idea of you reading this. So go. I'm always happy to provide a singleton's input on things because Excellent. I feel like so much of some of the aspects of the closure letters, like I, in my mind, when I'm starting to talk with someone have literally started asking myself in my mind, like, what would Maria say if I explain this to her? Or what would Maria do? Or what advice would Maria give? And oftentimes it just ends up saving me from a lot of emotional angst and drama and hurt. So thank you for that, my friend, because you your are advice welcome. is awesome. Um, so the situation for this first one is they, they opened, they sent us some screenshots of some texts and I'll skip for those because their opening of the letter actually explains what happened. So uh, they start, here's the setup. We matched on Hinged, talked for a few days on the app, set up a phone date through Hinge, but since it's a little bit wirely, wiry and crackly, we exchanged phone numbers and talked that way first. The phone conversation was great, a great vibe. We talked for about an hour, maybe a little more. Just before we ended the phone conversation, he asked if he could take me out the next night. And I'll, I'm visually thumbs upping this, but yay, great sign. We live about one and a half hours away from each other. Halfway would be a city in Florida, but he suggested that he would come to my area because he's been here before and really likes one of the restaurants over here. And I said, that would be a great place to meet. Let's do it. And I did tell him I've never had a date planned so quickly before, very nervous about it, but also a little excited. But since we were getting along great on the phone, I went for it. So I'll kind of pause the story here, Maria. But when I read this, I was like, awesome. But I had read the screenshots first and I knew that was not all to come. So I'll read the rest of the letter. But from your impression, that would be all of those are positive signs, right? Right. 
Awesome. All right. So let's go on. He mentioned he was also excited and he would hopefully get the opportunity to kiss me if it well, what well. And I said, probably not. It's just a first date and pandemic stuff. He was thrown off and then asked me in what seemed like a playful way, what are the rules do you have? Are we allowed to hold hands? Again, I replied, probably not. Even though I did like that he asked me before going on the date, and then in parentheses, they say, I also prefer being asked before it happens for the first time anyways. And then they continue, he didn't give me any indications that this was a problem. He did ask if maybe I was more interested in meeting in Orlando instead, and I very quickly replied with a no. He didn't ask why, and nor did I explain it. Uh, they included for context for us, the truth is they had priority Saturday morning that they needed to be alert for. So they hang up with the intention of meeting the next day in this person's town and about the time. They sent a couple of selfies after hanging up and then I got a text that said, I must apologize and inserted a long text above, I vow not to go on dates. And here's where I'll pause and read this text because it's a little bit of a weird one, I think. Uh, and this was the first part of the first screenshot. So this text that they said, uh, I have had three dates last month that were bad. All the women with rules, they wouldn't hold my hand. I honestly vowed to quit going out with anyone with such rules. I think I instead, I should just get to know you a little more before we go out. And then their response in the text was, so you're canceling. And the person, the guy said, rain check. I need more time to get to know you. Then let's meet up maybe in this city that's halfway in between. First of all, why is anybody holding hands on a first date? I don't fucking know you. Am I wrong here? Have I been not dating for a long time? I feel like I set up dates and I don't know if any of my clients have held their hands on first dates. No, I, for a first date, it's more like what opportunity is there to hold hands? Like maybe if you're walking in a park and someone's like, oh, can I hold your hand? Like that's a sweet thing to do, but on a first date? first date, like holding hands with couples, like that's physical contact that I want to have with someone. And I, I hold hands with people I'm dating, but not people I'm just on a date with. Usually. I don't think I held my I husband's hand until like six weeks in. Like I just felt so awkward and nervous the first few weeks. Like I'm not holding your hand. I'm, I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. And then trying to look like you're not sweating and then trying to think about what you're going to say. And right. Yeah. But this guy's insisting on the hand holding on date one, or it's I'm not meeting you weird thing to insist on too like i can see like the oh do you kiss on a first date because pandemic sure. do you want to meet in totally. person for a first date because pandemic uh what are you comfortable with do you do inside dining outside dining are you comfortable with even going someplace to sit down and have a drink or dine or would you prefer like a masked walk somewhere all of those reasonable questions the hand-holding one struck me though because again to me that's more i've been on dates with you and i like you and I want to hold your hand because that's like maintained physical contact I want to have with you, not I'm getting to know you stage. So I, I kind of agree with you. That's like a few dates in. That's also just, it's a very random thing to have a hang up about, I think. This is also going to sound odd, but I'm also embarrassed about holding someone I've only just started dating their, like their hand. Like, like if I'm holding your hand and I always think about like, what would I say to someone I ran into? Mm. So what if I ran into my sister or what if I ran into you? Mm -hmm. This is like a random person I'm just on a date with. I don't yeah. Really and you see me holding hand. his hand. Now you're going to expect an introduction. And what am I going to say? Oh, heck yeah, I would. This is Dave. <laughs> We're on a first date. Like I, I just want to save face and I don't, I, there are, there are men who listen to this podcast. 
And, you know, if there's one thing you should learn right now is that that's first date handholding is like grossly inappropriate, even, even before a pandemic. I wouldn't necessarily use the word inappropriate for me. I just feel like there has to be, it has to be a really good first date. And if you're going to have sustained public physical contact with someone on a first date, you should probably them or somehow figure out that they're into it. But like, let's use our words, people, because we don't like as a society, because to your point, like if I saw you walking down the street or you saw me walking down the street, holding hands with someone, you'd want to know them. You'd ask me after how long have you been dating? Like there's this expectation that it's more than just, I met this person 10 minutes ago to two hours ago and we're holding hands already because I feel like culturally also that's something that signifies that there's more of a connection there than a first date. Totally. Okay. So keep going. All right. So I'll go back to the letter now. So in trying to save myself any misunderstanding or creating drama that didn't need to happen, I called him immediately back and asked him to explain why he created a rule based on other people's rules because I thought that was hilarious. It was an awkward conversation. Eventually we worked it out, but we both agreed getting to know each other was a good idea anyway. So our date was not going to happen. He didn't really have a good reason besides the rule we created. We hung up with each other. Then he sent another selfie, which I never responded to. Uh, They do include a side note for you, but I'll skip it for now to continue on with the story. She said, that was Friday. I had an extremely busy uh, weekend. I'm a real estate agent. So I was showing properties, writing contracts, yada, yada, yada. You can see the next conversation screenshot where he checked in and I kind of blew it off. Sunday, when he sent me the good morning, beautiful, I was done. And then when he responded a second time that date with, are you okay? I responded very nonchalantly. I was talking to other people. Those people are clients. The did you miss me text was my indication that this guy may be very controlling and not a guy that I want anything to have a relationship with. That's where it ends up now. I haven't responded to him but I definitely want to take the opportunity and tell him that I don't think it's going to work out. And the text chain goes from pinging back and forth. So, you know, a text on this side, a text on the other side, you know, there was the top of the head for the selfie. And then Saturday, the day in question that they mention in the second part of the letter, the guy checks in, the woman responds, then he texts three more times. And then they respond at night to the third text And then their response is their text said, I'm great. You've been talking to a million people today. This is her response. His next text a minute later. I love that you included timestamps, by the way. Uh, Good job. Proud of you. You miss me any? And then she said, I appreciate that. I also appreciate your confidence, but I have a question for you. Since I don't know you that well yet, to agree that I miss you, wouldn't that be a concern for you? And he says, nah, you could miss me without it being concerned, LOL. It's not like you were pulling into my driveway parentheses, this happened once. It's also normal for you not to just be honest. I'm not going to judge you. And then 20 minutes later, she didn't respond. And he says, you busy again or nervous about answering? She said, I'm getting ready to go out for drinks. P.S. I do prefer to be honest all the time. And I do like to hear that you're not going to judge me. You may not like what you read or hear all the time, however. And this person says, that's the nature of the truth. Have fun at drinks tonight. I would have gone out with you, by the way, with a winky face at the end. And The whole text exchange is just very hot, cold. And especially when she didn't respond and he sent texts throughout the day that ended up being three in total. This, to me, this guy, I would have, this is when what would Marie do would pop into my head if I was this woman. And I agree, not, not worth 
the effort, not worth the trouble. They seem to be, I'll drive to you. No, we don't have to meet halfway. How about we meet halfway? I haven't even gone out with you. I've postponed it. I'm asking if you miss me. I'm texting you because you're not texting me back quickly enough. Just not signs of a great communicator, not signs of someone who's secure in themselves. And honestly, to me, not a sign of someone that like knows what they want. They are, they want the validation. They don't seem to necessarily want to get to know the person themselves. Yes. 100% everything you just said, like, it's so obvious that he really likes having his ego stroked by this person, which is why he keeps texting her. And if you notice like the things that he asks her, they're actually about him. Did you miss me? Like, it's not about her. It's not about, um, you know, what are your plans or who are you going out with or whatever? It's just like, do you miss me? And like, like miss you. I don't even know you. I've never met you, you know? And she even, and she lays that out and he's still like, and you know, his response to her saying that is, well, look at these other women who have missed me. One even drove into my, my, my driveway. Red flag, man, big red flag. You just dodged a really big red flag. And to be honest, I bet if you said to him, hey, let's go out tonight, he'd still say no. He's just saying that to you to like make you think about him when you go out. Mm -hmm. Like here's what you could be missing. But the fact of the matter is that these guys, they're the people that they they have the keys, but they don't ever want to ignite. They're not going out. They're not going out. And even if they are going out, they're not. I've met guys like this. Like I remember dating guys like this and thinking to myself like, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you not launching, you know, ton of failure on all parts here, uh, not on her end, on his end, I would tell her to stop talking and block them, block them, block them, block them. All right, let's go to the next one. All right. Ready? Ready. For context. I love when people send us context. My ex broke up with me completely out of the blue back in January. He had clearly had commitment issues, but acknowledged this and signed up as a signed up for couples therapy sessions to try and work on it. He had broken up with me suddenly six months earlier and begged his way back in parentheses, my mistake to give him another chance. After the January breakup, I cut him off cold Turkey, zero communication. He texted me twice using the pandemic as an excuse. I didn't answer. He then used the George Floyd protests as an excuse to reach out again. He is white and I am biracial. Oh my God. Okay. Him. This is, I guess, what he wrote. I just want you to know that you've been on my heart and on my mind. You have such a strong voice of leadership, and I imagine you're finding the right ways to use it in this time. You are a force of nature, and I've learned a lot from you about how to speak up for things you believe in, and I'm working to improve my own voice in this regard. And specifically with everything that's happening, I'm looking back to conversations with you and thinking about how I can continue to educate myself and participate effectively as an ally in all of this. Um, look, uh, okay. I'm just going to respond what she wrote um, here. I don't know if she sent this to him or if this is just sending it to us instead of to him. So I'm just going to think if she's sending it to me, I think it's, she's sending it to us. So she doesn't send it to him. I think she just left him on red. Mm-hmm. So here's what she wrote. I'm really not sure why you continue to reach out to me. My guess is that you're looking for a way to soothe your guilty conscience. I've held my tongue this long for the sake of my own self-preservation, but now you really want to come to me about how you're taking time to reflect. Let me help you and identify your problem for you. All you do is talk. That's capital letters with a period after each word. Okay. All right. Talk about who and what you care about. Talk about being connected. Talk about flowing. Talk about the future. Talk about love. Talk about privilege. You spend five days in the desert 
tripping on designer drugs or read a few self-help books and you honestly believe in your heart of hearts that you're an enlightened person, then you get back to the real world and the slightest inconvenience makes you clam up and fall into the same destructive behaviors you've been grappling with your whole life from what I've gathered. You are one of the biggest hypocrites I have ever met. You are disingenuous. Your ability to disconnect your actions from your words is truly astounding and actually quite scary. You aren't missing a voice. You're missing the courage to take action and authority over your own life. That's what the entire worldwide movement is about. And ultimately why we would have never worked out in the long run. Clearly you want to be an ally to people of color. You want to change. Take a look in the mirror at the way you treat people, especially women. Damn girl. You've been living in state of limbo, a sick loop where you fuck up and hate yourself and fuck up again and again and again. And now you have a growing list of good, honest women who you have disrespected and used as you stumbled around in the dark, like a blind man. And we all fucking hate you too. In my days, not months of getting over this shit, I came to realize that I felt so in love with your potential and not who you really are. The person that I loved doesn't actually exist. And he never did. Four months ago, you walked into my apartment using the spare key I gave you six weeks after I spent Christmas with your family, four weeks after we hosted New Year's Eve with my closest family and friends, three weeks after an elaborate date to the opera, two weeks after my birthday, and one week after you gave me custom diamond earrings and six days before Valentine's Day. Your exact words were that you needed to let me go. So leave me alone and let me go. Oh my gosh. This is number one. She is not wrong about any of that. And number two, I really hope that this brought her as much satisfaction to write as it did for you and I to read, because this is not only, in my opinion, based on what she said with the breakups and the comebacks and the texts and whatever, absolutely true, but oh my God, it's also a sick burn. You know, the worst letter, the best, the best part about this, right. Is that he never got this message. It's, it's to us. Oh, I like, know. And it's so much better this way because if he got this message, he would have never fucking read it. Nope. Or he would have just like skipped it, like oh, deleted it, blocked, whatever. They just think that way. That's not. But actually. now, now several thousand people get to hear you put him in his place. So ladies, if you enjoyed that feeling, next time someone fucks up with you, you send that closure shit here and we'll do it for you. <laughs> I really okay. hope to listen to this podcast oh my gosh uh you know what's funny is i actually might be talking to her later this week so i'm 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 really happy right now uh i can't wait for her to listen to this episode um okay uh your turn so this one uh starts with hi maria thank you for all your dating advice it is wonderful to have as a single woman trying to navigate dating in a global pandemic i will co-sign that one maria i'm 28 years old and i've been slowly getting back into dating since the pandemic broke out Recently, when I'm three dates with a guy and we had a wonderful time, I felt like we had a really strong connection. And in parentheses, our last date was eight hours long. We left the third date with plans for him to make me dinner the following week, which was his idea. Communication was great. We had been texting daily and he seemed genuinely excited to meet me again. A few days prior to our fourth date, he told me he was going home to visit family and could only take a walk outside with me as a COVID precaution. Then a day later, he told me that he thought it was best if we wait until after Thanksgiving to meet because he was afraid of putting his family at risk for COVID. I offered to FaceTime instead, and he said he'd be happy to do so. 
The next day, he told me he'd rather wait another day to FaceTime because he was swamped with work. Finally, on the day we were supposed to FaceTime, he told me that he wanted to be very cautious because of COVID and likely wouldn't be dating over the next few months so that he would be able to see his family. He added that he likes me a lot and he hopes that maybe we can reconnect when COVID calms down. I told him I understood and that I hope we can stay in touch and get together when he feels more comfortable. His response, thanks for understanding, appreciate it and sounds good. Is it even worth believing him? I'm so disappointed. I thought we had a strong connection, was hoping that he would be willing to stay in touch through FaceTime or text. I would love to see him again, but I can't tell if this is a terrible excuse or a legitimate one. What are your thoughts on the situation? Is it worth reaching out in a month or so? I'm looking for a relationship and don't want to waste time. So what are your thoughts first as the matchmaker? Yes, it's a waste of time. Totally. Like, I think I'm so happy that I'm, this question is being read by you, a single person, because I'm sure you've experienced something just like this. I know I get this question a lot now. If everyone's okay. Katie's face is like aggressively nodding, violently agreeing with you, violently agreeing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's totally an excuse because, uh, yeah, I get it. I get that we have COVID. I trust me. I get it, but you know what? I've got a lot of people in relationships and, what people I've seen do is, you know, yeah, their first date's on FaceTime, but that in-person walk is like seven days later. And if you like each other, you just start to combine bubbles and that's, that is your bubble. And you have to be, you know, the UK allows you a, a sex buddy, I guess, like one, one person, or I don't know if that's the right words. And I'm sure Charlie is gonna, or my girlfriend, Charlie, who listens to this podcast is gonna murder me after she hears this, but I don't know. I think I think this is an excuse. And I think if a guy likes you, he's going to find any reason to um, date you. And yeah, no global pandemic is going to stop him. And also 11 months in to a global pandemic to say stuff like let's meet when COVID calms down. Like that's a, that made sense back in March and April when we didn't know that we'd be, think it would be long haul. But now that we're 11 months in you, there are ways to work around this. Yeah. And ultimately my response in the thought that came to my head first was if he wanted to, he would, right. If he wants to reach out and he's genuine about wanting to continue to getting to know this person when the pandemic quote unquote comes down, which is probably going to be, I don't know, at least according to the top medical professionals, the fall, he'll reach Mm -hmm. out. You shouldn't pin your hopes, which I know is hard to do when you start liking someone. But the thing I also ask myself is, would I want someone I'm in a relationship to treat me like this, which is that I'm not a priority and no, I wish them the best. I, you know, if he wants to prioritize his family, awesome. The fact that he said that great. Does it mean that you should wait for him? No, there's other people that are worth getting to know during a pandemic that will put you as a priority if they feel like you should be, and that you can maybe have a better relationship with if it turns into something like that. So if they wanted to, they would. Do you have another one, Maria? Dear V, when you dumped me, I responded gracefully and I even shed some tears. You might not have realized I was crying because you broke broke up with me over the phone instead of having the courage to do it to my face. At the time, I was sad and expressed regret. I think I even accepted some of the blame you tried to lay at my feet. I have since forgiven myself for that. I was shocked and overwhelmed by emotion. A week after our breakup, my dad passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. There I was, hope, heartbroken and alone, 3,000 miles away from my family during a global pandemic. After I lost my dad, a lot of friends stepped up and supported me. At the time, I wish I could reach out to you and tell you what had happened. 
but I never did. Something stopped me. I think it was the realization that talking to you wasn't going to make me feel better. You never supported me emotionally in the way that I needed when we were together. I didn't expect that to change just because I was experiencing grief and loss. In a way, I felt a relief that we had broken up before my dad died because I couldn't imagine enduring the pain of losing my dad on top of the profound disappointment I would feel when you inevitably didn't show up for me. In the months that followed, I reflected a lot on our relationship. My sadness about it eventually shifted into anger. I felt angry that you told me the relationship was ending because I hadn't opened up enough. In hindsight, I shared a lot of myself with you and was brave enough to be vulnerable with you, yet you seemed so distant. You retreated when I tried to get to know you more deeply. I've also felt angry that you blamed me for your occasional performance issues in the bedroom. You know the most likely cause of your erectile dysfunction include your age, the medication you take, and stress. Telling me that it was my fault was unnecessarily cruel. It was also untrue. You should be ashamed of the fact that you try to give me a complex about sex. Finally, I'm angry that you tried to break up with me by sending me a text at the precise moment when you knew I was starting an important work call. Mm. You were surprised when I responded right away and suggested we get on the phone to talk things through. You remarked, but aren't you on a conference call until five? That was incredibly cowardly. I'm happy to report that I passed through the anger phase and arrived at the ultimate destination, complete indifference about you. Thank you for doing me a favor and ending things when you did. I wouldn't have wanted to spend any more time with a person who didn't value me. Instead, I learned to value myself in the process of healing. She just kept herself anonymous, but girl, I'm proud of you. Yeah, that whole man totally deserved to be canceled. And I am glad that you are no longer wasting any emotional energy on having feelings about this person because they don't deserve the time that it takes to have those feelings. Like the the whole thing, the whole like number one, couples deal with things that you have to work through together, whether it's sexual or not. Pinning the blame on someone else, especially for something like that, is at best immature. And I'll say at best immature. And then them choosing a time when they knew that the person would be distracted and they thought that the person wouldn't be able to answer immediately just to garbage. things is just, just garbage. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Just fuck him. Fuck him. Okay. You do the last closure letter. Awesome. And this is really cathartic, by the way, getting to read other people's closure letters. So I, totally. I am up for more of these. All right, so the context is met on Hinge and connected instantly. Dated for a month, but we saw each other two to three times a week right away. He introduced me to his friends right away, but he was upfront about the stuff he dealt with in the early months of the pandemic and how his last relationship ended right when everything shut down and he was still dealing with all of that. That was my only red flag. Everything else was great. One day he texted me saying he needed to end things. We talked about it over the phone and haven't spoken since. I miss you. I hate that I still miss you. I've spent more time grieving us than we spent together. And that fills me with embarrassment and anger. I feel Mm -hmm. stupid for still missing you, wanting you and crying over you four months later when we were only together for a month. But we spent so much time together in that one month that I could still find my way back to your house four months later. I haven't tried it, I swear, but I see the path in my head. I see the exit signs, that weird right turn I had to take that's easily missed. I can't bring myself to delete your number or that last text you sent me. For some reason, I'm still holding on to the hope that you'll change your mind, decide that you made a mistake, even though my reasoning tells me it wouldn't be the same if you did or how hard it would be for my anxious heart to trust us again. 
it's nothing, it's just nothing was ever bad. It was good the whole time. And our breakup was so mature and healthy that of course I still hold on to hope. I know I need to let go. I've been telling myself for months I need to let go, move on. I tried to bury myself in work and find distractions and flings, but my mind takes me back to you. You made me feel special and seen in ways I hadn't felt in years. I laughed in ways I hadn't laughed in years. It was a connection I hadn't felt in years, and that's probably why I haven't been able to let go. Nothing since I was 22 compared to this. I could have really loved you if you would let me, but you knew you couldn't let me. God knew you couldn't let me. That's why we ended. But damn, I could have really loved you. Maybe I did. And this person is 27. So this is five years comparing themselves when they were 22. I, I have thoughts for this person. I have a lot of mixed feelings about this. So from a single person's perspective, mm-hmm. 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 I feel like this person is causing themselves more emotional pain mm. by still feeling these feelings. And I know you can't control what you feel, right? But there are ways to not minimize it, but like figure why, figure out why you're feeling like that. Like one thing I've learned from breakups in my past that maybe were similarly out of the blue or that I felt myself not being able to get over is I really tried to understand like what about not this person, maybe it is the person, but the situation, like what could I not get over? And I also find it really helpful to remind myself that those feelings, imagine how magnificent they'll be when someone feels the same way about you in response. And it's mutual, not just the longing. But I mean, I don't know what to say to this person aside from I wish you the best in trying to get over it, because I feel like where you're at right now, describing this based on this letter, it's so poignant because it's so full of potential but it, it's not real anymore. You're not with this person. And right. again, how magical will it be when you find someone that you feel this way about that also feels the same way about you? Like, right. that's a multiplying factor. Like, that's what you want. She's gonna, I, I want to believe that this particular person has found some closure by having heard her letter to us on this episode. I can tell that she's really hurt. And- unfortunately sometimes hurt does not have an expiration date yeah and i hope that not only by her acknowledging her hurt by having written this but even us acknowledging her hurt and having a community of people acknowledging her hurt she can find the steps to get past it because it's exactly what you said one day you are going to meet someone you have to believe you're going to meet someone that is going to not want to hurt you (laughs) not want to disappoint you, not want to disrespect you, not, you know, not, 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 not. Right. And, and that person does exist and we have to learn from our past and not dwell on it. And I I don't want to say that she's dwelling on it, but she's very hurt. And I think that she hasn't yet. Therapy can be really helpful for this too, because hurt never expires. I can count, you know, I can think of my ex-boyfriends have, you know, deeply hurt me by their actions and it doesn't expire, but I will say that when you meet someone who is respectful and has mutual admiration with you and has a part, you know, a strong partnership with you, that hurt does dull. It dulls. And then you're just like, okay, like I- I'm past this. Yeah. It's just so hard because you're right. Like, I mean, it's a form of grief. You're grieving something that you lost and it comes right. in waves, but I fully agree. Therapy and not just like talking to your friends because they know you like kind of informal no, therapy. not friends. But, Mm-mm. 
like when I went through a breakup, it was uh, like four years ago now. And has it I mean, been four was, years? Yeah, a year and a few months since we ended the last time. This is like, this is when I don't take weird advice. Uh, we dated for- You don't even months. talk to me about this. Like you just kind of like- yeah yourself with this thing yeah well I mean I hate to say part of me kind of knows what you would have said but I also knew for me like I knew that I wanted to proceed with things so I I met this person I used to travel a lot for a job I had we met in a country in the Middle East we like literally met up like the last day that I was in the country uh, they came to my hotel. We sat at the pool. We had uh, like lemonade and coffee, talked for like two hours. And then I was like, great, I, I got to go. Like my car's here. I'm going to the airport. Like nice to nice to see you. Um, but I had really positive feelings. I was like, wow, there's, I met a really cool person. Awesome. And I had not been meeting really cool people in New York. So that's how it started. We kept in contact for, I don't know, that was May. We kept in contact for the next eight or nine months. And then they had told me that they had feelings for me and that they thought that we should see where it goes. And I was kind of like, does this mean I'm your girlfriend? First red flag. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't really want to put a term on it. So mm-hmm. regardless, I proceeded. Uh, we were supposed to meet up in another part of the Middle East in, this is January now, the year later, in April. They ended up not being able to go because they were busy with work, couldn't get the time off. They were training to be a doctor. So their time was really not their own. And again, like at that point, looking back, I'm like, I probably should have ended it then, but I just figured bad timing. We'll make it work another time. I did end up going to the Middle East with a good gal pal of mine, had a fantastic time. We went there to see someone else we knew that lives over there. Awesome weekend. And then two months later, so that was April and June, we had a conversation and they were like, look, work's not getting any easier. I'm not going to get any more time. I'm in my fellowship and I'm working like 90 hours a week. I just think we need to end things. And to me, I don't, I don't think that when someone says we need to end things, that's an opportunity for a conversation. I think that's an okay. Like that is a unilateral decision in my mind. So I had said, okay, like we'll keep in contact, but good luck. Have fun. I was a wreck for the next three months. Like I would, when I get upset, I don't really eat a lot. Like that's what my anxiety does is I just, I don't eat a ton. So I was doing protein shakes to keep nutrition in me. Um, I distracted myself and actually found one of the passions of my life sailing through that summer, um, which I'm infinitely thankful for. And then in the fall, we had sort of kept in contact. I had started going to therapy because I wanted to know Like I never saw this person in those six months. Why was I so hung up on them? Why was I not dealing with this? And for me, that's where my response to this person who wrote in is like, I found it very helpful to understand why I was having those feelings or at least try to work them out with a therapist, um, which helped a lot. And I was feeling really good. We had kind of casually kept in contact. Uh, I ended up going down to the country they live in, which is not in the Middle East, it's in the Pacific. Uh, We did end up seeing each other. And when I got back, they had said, it's clear that we both still have feelings for each other. Life isn't going to get any easier, but I want to try to make this work. And we ended up being together for like the next, I don't know, three years, two years, two years. And then we broke up. Uh, I had coincidentally enough, they, I had been laid off from a job. I was giving up my apartment in Brooklyn and I had a whole bunch of money and savings and 
I had, I always wanted to just kind of travel. So I had asked them, and this was the precipitator for us breaking up. I had said, hey, like I've got no ties to here and I've got enough money to live off of for a while because of getting severance. So what do you say about me just coming down to your country on a visitor visa? I, when I was down there, I'd made friends in the sailing community. I genuinely loved where they lived. I knew I would have a ball of the time, just like being a tourist and relaxing for six months because I'd worked my ass off for pretty much all of my life up until then. And their response was essentially no. And that was it. I was like, okay, we're ending. I'm planning my life myself. Uh, They tried to bring up the whole like ending discussion a few weeks later. And I was like, this is not the time. I'm sorting out my life. We're, we're going to talk about this later, but we're not going to talk about it now. And when I was just about to start my next job, because I luckily enough was already interviewing, I had kind of seen the whole reorg coming. Uh, so this was like a month later, I was like on a little trip down to Mexico City, just myself for a week to have mm-hmm. fun, see friends, eat a lot of tacos. Uh, and I ended up breaking up with them. I pretty much was like, hey, do you still, do you still feel the whole like it's not going to work? Like life isn't getting any easier. We need to end things. And just go back to being friends, quote unquote. And they had said, yep. And I said, great, sounds good to me. And then they had responded to me asking me essentially like, well, what does this mean? And I was like, well, we just broke up or like, good luck. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I felt like, I don't feel like I need closure because I, I kind of did things in the way for me that I knew wouldn't leave me wondering and wouldn't leave me, I guess, questioning, like if they were my person, because if they were my person, the only answer to, hey, I, I can come here for a number of months it's to yes. see what it's happens. Yes. The answer is overwhelmingly yes. The answer yeah, is it's excitement. Answer, yes, it's no. I'll take off work for a week to welcome you. Like it's exactly. let's do it's it. Over. Let's look at I, let's look at the IKEA catalog together. It's it's right. a yes. It's always a yes. Or even if you can't take off work, like we'll make yeah. it work. Like if yeah, you're we'll willing make it to work. come down here, we'll let's figure out it. a time to see each other. We'll make it work. And the fact what that it was like but Katie, I'm sorry that, you know. I mean, honestly, uh, I don't really have negative feelings about it. Like I said, that's I, good. That's good I know honest. myself well enough to know that, but that's also why I was really quiet about it because I darn yeah. well knew that your advice would be, nope, just end it. And I knew that that's not what I wanted to do. So I remember when you were telling me about him and I, I remember not giving you advice on purpose because I was like, Katie's not going to listen to me right now. So I'm just going to let her live her truth. Of what she, whatever she thinks truth is. I just remember, yeah, I remember like sitting on your couch, uh, waiting for the 2016 returns. Yeah. And, oh, God, um, that's like the worst night ever. That was like the worst night ever. And, uh, I'm never hosting in another election viewing party ever. That was, yeah, there were about that was horrendous. 15 to 20 people in my very small, like 300 square foot Brooklyn apartment over the course of the night. Yeah. I had done like the kind of stats analysis after, like most people were, either BIPOC or LGBTQ plus. I was one of the few- Half like, of them were immigrants. Yeah, exactly. Literally one came over on a refugee visa from their home yeah. country. It was a very diverse, uh, it was a diverse crowd. It was a diverse crowd. Yeah, but anyway, so like that was when you told me about, you told me about your your guy and I was like, and I'm, you know, you obviously told me a thousand times about him before. And I remember like thinking like, don't give advice, don't give advice, don't give advice. Because I just knew you were not going to listen to anything I had to say. You were just really in that tunnel that you have to find your way out. And then, and that's because you know me, like that's the difference. Like I think if I were like a stranger to you on Instagram and I, you asked me this, you you know you know exactly how I'd respond. 
mm-hmm. because you're close to me, like the, you would look at me as a friend and not as like, I'm telling you from a professional standpoint, please stop wasting your time with him. But I knew you'd get out of it eventually. Like you'd see it. So, Hey Katie, thank you again for, you know, coming to talk about closure stuff. Uh, I kind of hope, I kind of hope someone tells Dave about this episode so he can hear it <laughs> to let him know, Hey, everyone knows. <laughs> Genuinely, like don't have any ill. Oh yeah, I I totally wish him well. I have nothing. I have no hate. I have no, none of that. No, 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 no. He's a, he's a, he's a good person. You just have to, he just lives in his own world. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. All right. It's a fun world. It's a fun world. But thank you for having me on Maria. As you know, I listen to like literally every episode. I also tell people about you all the time because on a professional and personal level, I am one of your biggest fans. So I'm always happy to help people get closure. Thanks, love. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. If you love what you heard and you have not already, rate, review, and of course, subscribe. Do you have a dating or relationship question? Do you have a closure or rant letter? Visit askamatchmaker.com to submit it. You can also follow me on Instagram at matchmakermaria for more dating and relationship tips. Uh, On Wednesday nights, I also now do office hours on Instagram Live and Clubhouse. Wednesdays, 10 p.m., I do office hours. We just go, we basically just go over a lot of the Q&As you gave on Ask a Matchmaker Wednesdays on Instagram. Until next week, be lovable and more importantly, be likable. Cheers. Cheers.